Night prayers were an important ritual in my family. My grandmother, who oversaw these things, was a committed pessimist in all things, including sleep. And like pessimists everywhere, she believed that every silver lining had a cloud. A good night's sleep was no guarantee that you would wake up the next morning. So we were taught to say an act of contrition, an act of faith, an act of hope. And just before slipping under the covers, we said this short prayer. It might be familiar to some of you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, bless the bed that I lie on. Four corners to my head, four angels round my bed, one to watch and one to pray, and two to bear my soul away. I'm not sure what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had to do with getting into bed. It's likely a matter of getting a satisfying rhyme more than anything theological. But there they were, the four evangelists. We knew their names before we could even read and understand their Gospels. And though we didn't know it then, that little prayer called the Black Paternoster dated back to the 17th century and had been prayed probably by legions of children. If you're not familiar with the prayer, you may be familiar with the symbols of the four evangelists. It's called the Tetramorph, and it dates back to the fourth century. A man for St. Matthew, a lion for St. Mark, an ox for St. Luke, and an eagle for St. John. And you can find all four of these images in the four corners of the icon uh, behind me and above the altar. Or you just follow the white uh, rays of light shining out from Christ at all the angles, and you'll see the little round circles with the tetramorphs inside. Those four symbols with the white light radiating out of Christ is an iconic way of testifying that the Gospels are inspired by Christ and testify to the truth of his death and resurrection. But why only four Gospels? Why not five or six? We know that there are or were many other so-called Gospels in the second and third centuries, and we know it because every year, usually at Easter, the media reports the discovery of one of these manuscripts dug out of the sands of Egypt. The Gospel of Philip, found in an Egyptian cave in 1945. The Gospel of Judas, rediscovered in 2006. The Gospel of Barnabas, which showed up in 2014. Or the Gospel of Thomas, the favorite of the Jesus Seminar. And every time one of these manuscripts is unearthed, we're urged to believe that these alternative Gospels were suppressed by the official church in the name of monolithic orthodoxy. This may sound like a recent problem, but in fact the question about the Gospels, why only four, is very old. And the first great Catholic theologian to address it was a Greek bishop, well, a Greek-speaking bishop, living in France near the city of Lyon, whose name was Irenaeus. St. Irenaeus used a metaphor to explain that the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not merely stories about a wandering rabbi. The Gospels, he says, use the Psalms and the prophets of the Old Testament to create a mosaic that depicts the image of a king. 
That king, as we will hear during Holy Week, is a crucified king who reigns from the cross and who is proclaimed by the apostles as the risen Lord. Irenaeus was doing apologetics or waging theology, perhaps, against the Gnostics, whose many gospels, many of those I just mentioned to you, portray a completely different picture of Jesus Christ. Not the picture of a king, but or crucified king, but the picture of a wandering rabbi, of a philosopher, of a do-gooder. And many of them refuse or fail to have uh, the passion accounts at the end, like the Gospel of Thomas. Irenaeus' book was written around the year 100 AD, uh, 180 AD and runs close to about 600 pages in the English translation. The um, Brothers in Formation are reading it right now for our class in patristics. He tells us, Irenaeus tells us, that the so-called alternative Gospels subvert the picture that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John portray of Christ. They show us someone unrecognizable to the Church's faith that has been handed on from the Apostles. I began by asking, why only four Gospels? But there's another question you might be asking at this point. Why am I telling you all of this? Because this is year C, the year of Luke, in the three-year lectionary cycle. Beginning this Sunday, we will be listening to St. Luke tell the story of Jesus of Nazareth. And he wants us to understand that the story of Jesus cannot possibly be separated from the story of Israel. They are one in the same story. Inasmuch in as Jesus is the climax and fulfillment of Israel's long wait for the fulfillment of her God's promise of the coming of a Messiah. But that climax comes as something of surprise because it looks nothing like a victorious Messiah leading Israel's armies against the pagans. Instead, it looks like the body of an itinerant rabbi hanging from a cross. And when St. Luke goes on to write part two of his gospel, which we call the Acts of the Apostles, he will show how the apostles and their successors preached and taught what Jesus himself preached and taught, that he would go up to Jerusalem uh, be crucified and on the third day rise again. And this is Luke's guarantee to the truth and authenticity of the church's faith, so that, as he says, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. One final caution. Luke's gospel may sound like the story of what happened way back then, But this is not what Luke intends us to understand. He puts us all in the events that he will describe. He wants us to understand that when Christ stands before someone and opens the eyes of the blind, he opens our eyes, that we are Christ's betrayers, that we stand at the foot of the cross, that we are the witnesses to the resurrection, the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, because Christ is present and active in the church now, just as he was then. And this is not make-believe. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's writings are called in Greek the evangelion, literally a good message, though we translate it as good news. News is about something that happens, the result of which the world is somehow different than it was before. Think of 
September 11th, 2001. There is, of course, bad news and there is good news. Luke, like Matthew, Mark, and John, wants us to know that when God lived on earth in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the world became a different place with an entirely different future, not a future that human beings can engineer. It makes no point to sing, let us build the city of God. The city of God comes from God above and descends on earth because, in effect, we ruin, we human beings, we ruin everything. But a future created by God for men and women is what Luke describes as Jesus bringing in his incarnation. And that really is good news that people need to hear.